When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. It started so well for Everton at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday afternoon, but ultimately it ended in frustration as a 3-2 defeat saw the Blues slip to 11th place in the table. I'm Ian Kroll and this is your weekly dose of The View from the Gladys Street podcast on the Royal Blue channel. My guests, we have two. It's Gary Callahan and Ben Crawford. How are you, Gary? I'm good, mate, thanks. And how are you, Ben? I'm good, thanks, Ian. Lads, frustration, frustration, frustration. That's all I felt on Sunday. Um, felt Arsenal were there for the taking. Ben, um, I know we said you were on last week's show and we uh, we said that Everton basically needed to do something different in order to take all three points against Everton, but I guess old Everton dab- uh, habits die hard. Absolutely. It was uh, a real missed opportunity. For me, I don't think we played that badly. I thought we created some good chances, but when you defend like that away at any team, I thought it was atrocious, really, some of the defending. Uh, like Ancelotti said, you can't concede three goals in a game and expect to get something from it, which is, I think, the problem, especially the timing of the third goal straight away as soon as the second half kicked off. But, you know, we can sit here and we can, as I'm sure we will in this, uh, in this show, we'll analyse the positives and analyse some good individual performances like if Andre Gomez coming back. But I think the override feeling is it's a missed opportunity and how many times have we seen Everton go away to these kind of clubs, the Arsenals, the Chelsea's, putting a good account of ourselves, probably come out of the game thinking, well, we're not actually far away, if not better than the team we've just played. But ultimately, we always, always seem to lose. And that was the overriding feel for me going into last week when all the positivity was on the show and I was a little bit negative, a little bit downbeat because I kind of sensed what was coming. Uh, I thought we'd go and play well, as we did. But unfortunately, like you say, old Abbott's style, we've had two points this se- uh, since Ancelotti took over for me where they've been turning points, if you will. One of them was the Anfield derby in the cup and one of them was this Arsenal game. They were the two opportunities just to go out and be the real deal, you know, Get get rid of the ghosts from the past, and quite simply, we didn't do it. Gary, familiar story, familiar errors, and all too familiar Everton. What, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I agree with Ben. To be honest, we were the architects of our own downfall, really, weren't we? Um, we conceded. I mean, good goals from Arsenal's point of view, but bad goals from our point of view. And like you said, you you can't go and concede three goals like that and expect to get in and out of it. The funny thing is, we probably should have got something out of the game, even though we did concede three goals. I mean. I think for a while now, the difference between us and Arsenal, it's been the strikers, hasn't it? They've always seemed to have a world-class striker who takes his chances. And I think if you put a Bormian on, on the end of summer, Calvert-Lewin's chances, the scoreline would have been different, you know what I mean? Um, but we can see that bad goals are bad times. And like you say, it, it's pretty typical of us, especially at Arsenal, isn't it? Um, it's a chance missed. Um, Disappointing as well, because ultimately... Probably we, we they were there for the team. We were good. We were good for at least a point, weren't we? Really, I think. I think, although Calvert Lewin's done really well lately, yeah, he scored, but he should have. He, he could have had two 
or should have had two, probably could have had three. And, you know, and that, that changes the face of the game, doesn't it? And I think it's it's just, it is a missed opportunity and it's just, it's just typical of Everton, really. Um, well, well, I was going to talk about Carver-Lewin, so the fact that you mentioned him, let's come on to it. I mean, five goals in the game, ultimately, yeah. you know, you could say it was a goal fest, so it could have even been more, but fantastic goal for the first goal. Unlucky or not clinical enough for the chance, the other chances? I'd say not clinical enough. I think if Richardson's on the end of them, he'd, he'd probably have scored one of them. Um, I was talking to my brother during the match and, and he said, um, you know, he, he, he reminds me a bit of, of like Thomas Radzinski. He'll score the chances that you don't expect him to score, but the ones where he's one-on-one with the keeper and, and he, like the, the goal of Birmingham scored is his first one. He misses them because he sort of overthinks it. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think it, I think that sh- that shows now. Okay, he scored seven and nine or whatever it is, but they're the they're the times he's got, and he's not the finished article. I, I'll give him that, but he's got it improving them chances because that's the difference between finishing in the European places and and not is going to these teams and taking. My dad said to me before the game, "We've got to take our chances," and we didn't. But I mean, Ben, you you you're nodding there, but is it not a little bit harsh? He he did score a goal. I mean, he was very, very unlucky with with, with some of the chances that was presented to him. He was unlucky, uh, but unfortunately, I think part of, from his own success, really, that's got to be expected of him now. If he's going to be a number nine, leading the line for a club trying to finish in Europe, he's got to score them chances. Listen, we know how good Aubameyang is. I alluded to it on the show last week, that I think he's, other than maybe Aguero, the best number nine in the league. He takes two chances that are arguably probably more difficult than the two Calvert-Lewin missed. Okay, Calvert-Lewin did brilliantly with the first goal and he has improved that side of his game. But like we saw against Palace in the previous game, yeah, he he took one of the chances, but he is liable to miss some as well. And if you're a world-class ruthless striker, you score all of them. You don't don't miss easy chances. And yeah, it, it could be perceived as harsh because he's improved so much. But I sort of... I, I expect me number nine... In my key, in my team to finish the kinds of kinds of chances he got there that game really we wouldn't have been bad credited if we'd have come away with three points in that game let alone one because we did play well and as much as I'm trying to be positive there I think you know he has got to sort of wake up and smell the coffee bit and start taking the proper chances because ultimately he's improved so much and we're so happy with him at the moment playing up front with Richarlison but he needs to develop that side of his game as well because that's what's going to stop him from being the level of the likes of Aubameyang and Aguero because in that game there, Aguero, perfect example, he's had games like that. He scores four or five goals. He doesn't score one or two, he scores five goals from five chances and that's the next step for Calvert-Lewin. So it was disappointing really because it takes one or two of them chances out of the three when he should have took them all. We win that game and we're always talking about the Champions League basically. Is he knocking on the door for a England caller? I think he is, but only because of maybe because of injuries. Necessity rather um, than yeah. Yeah. Um Obviously I mean, Kane and Don't get me wrong. Rashford, Rashford he's done really well. Um and maybe we are being a little bit harsh on him, but like like Ben said, you know, it's expectation now if, if you if he is knocking on the door of England place and, and you know, people are expecting this of him now and I, I personally think he should have at least took one of the other chances that he yeah. had. I think there was one he didn't even make contact with and he should have just gone with the outside of his foot instead of trying to with the inside. I forgot and, about that one actually, yeah. The one where he flew across just, the goal. But in saying that, you know, we shouldn't have conceded three goals. I think the first goal, fair enough, was probably it. It was a great ball in by the, that Saka. Um, but, you know, he got in between Mina and Holgate and one of them should have picked them up. Um, and then, obviously, the, the second goal, I think um, we haven't put any pressure on the play with the ball on David Luiz <coughs> and we haven't dropped back either. So it's 
you know, we have, we haven't done anything to stop that pass, and everyone can see that the pass was coming. I know people have blamed Sadibi, but there was no pressure on David Luiz, and the defense didn't drop back. So you know, another good goal from Arsenal point of view, but it's again it's sloppy from Mars. And to concede, I don't know how many seconds it was after the restart. That's just put us right behind the eight ball again, hasn't it? That was a corner, I mean? really, wasn't it? Like we've we've come in. <laughs> To the second into the, the half time and it's two two. I mean, on the balance of things, we probably didn't deserve to be two two at the break anyway. We got we got that just sort of sloppy equalised, didn't we? So you know we should we went in on a high really and then. Angel he kind of alluded to the fact that he, he suggested that he thought we we played well. Um, thought we did when yeah. we attacked. Yeah, but obviously our defending um, has, has cost us cost us the game. Do you, do you agree with that? Because I'll be honest with you. I I felt like our attack and play at times was still quite slow and laboured. It was, but if to be fair, and just sorry to interrupt as well, we did only score from set pieces. We didn't score from open play, which is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong; we took advantage of the Arsenal frailties in defending, but you you want to score from open play. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you a bit more if we hadn't missed chances. You know, there were chances creating that game, like Gary alluded to then, where Cavalier should score. And if he takes those chances, you've scored five goals at the Emirates. You know what I mean? It's We created enough chances to finish and let us down, as it ultimately does a lot of the time when we seem to have near misses with results. I don't think creating chances at the moment is a problem, especially when Gomez come on and he was threading balls through the middle towards the last stages of the game. But the chances were being created, you know, especially for Carvalho, we needed well to get on the end of most of them. But the other players can only create the chances for the strikers to score from. And we need to take them more, I think is the overriding feeling there. I don't think it was a case of we didn't play. Listen, defensively, we were all at sea. But attacking-wise, we had a lot of the ball and we broke them down well. And yeah, it was just not taking the chances. We created them, we just didn't take them. I agree with Ancelotti. I think we did play well. Yeah. But like if you analyse the game, we we I know we scored really early, but I think the first half we were we were off the pace. You know, we weren't doing what we've been doing. We just doing. let them back into it really. Yeah, didn't we? I mean, it was a it, when when the game started, I said to me to my dad, you know, um Calvert Lewin can can bully um Mustafi and, and David Luiz, you know, that they, they are liable to make a mistake, get close them down, put them on the pressure. And we didn't do that. We didn't do what we've been doing in the, the past eight weeks or, or whatever it's been. Um, and we sort of, we were chasing shadows a bit really in the first half, I thought. But as the game got stretched and once Gomez and Bernard came on, we were the better team and we did play well. And, okay. and you know, if, I think if we'd have took our chances, we, we probably, we were we deserved, it. we were good for at least the points, I think. And I agree with them, we did play well. It was just defensively, we weren't, you know, we were sloppy. And I think that it's not just defence, it's, it's closing down from the front as well for for the especially for the second goal. Like I said, I don't think anyone put any pressure on on the, the centre half coming out with the ball, and it was too easy for them to make that pass. And and then you know you, you blame Sidibe or whoever for losing a Birmingham, then, don't you? But it, it starts at the front. It's defensively as a team, we we weren't we weren't good enough. I don't think. Just there, referring back to Calvert Lewin as like, mainly on on his first goal. I don't know if you've seen, but Graham Souness, <laughs> the comments that he made about the, the goal, what, what, what do you make of that? It should have been ruled out for, for dangerous play, apparently. To be honest, I was surprised it wasn't checked more. Not that I thought it was a foul, because I didn't. And I'm also surprised... I think it was checked, wasn't it, though? I think but, it, I mean, to the extent it was, you know, they didn't slow... It seemed to, it seemed to be given pretty quickly. And for me, 
from what I saw, I was surprised that David Luiz didn't make more of it. Because we've seen in the past, he's quite typical to be rolling around on the floor and trying to make a meal of things. And yeah. in that position, really, you expect David Luiz, when the goal goes in, to go down clutching his head, pretending he's been knocked cold. I think that makes the decision go in our favour. I think if David Luiz makes more of a meal of it, away at the Emirates, the referee probably sides with the home team there and disallows the goal. But for me, there was nothing wrong with it because he's only got eyes for the ball. I think the rule about a high foot, really, if you've got your eyes on the ball not the player, it shouldn't be a foul. It's only a foul if you intentionally go to hurt the player and not to get the ball. But yeah, I was surprised that David Luiz didn't make more of it because that would have made a much more difficult decision for the referee. But through blue tinted glasses, nothing wrong with the goal at all. Through your blue tinted glasses, even with your non-blue tinted glasses on, Gary, perceived high boots from Carver Lewin? No, I don't think so. I think he makes contact with the ball before... David Luiz had made contact with his foot. I think he had to the back of Calvert Lewin's foot. It's just, it's you. crazy, isn't it? Some of the stuff that people come out yeah. with. I think it's with VAR these days, everything gets checked, doesn't it? So, and Every you know, James Finnis is not exactly a big Evertonian, is he? So, <laughs> not exactly. But if you if you cancel that goal out, the overhead, you're gonna have to cancel out yeah. every overhead no, goal. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. just. It's one. I, I, I think that's why the Arsenal players didn't make any of it because there was nothing to make of it, to be honest. Yeah, I just thought I'd bring it up and see. I knew what your answer would be, but I just thought <laughs> I'd bring it up. I mean, the, the overall positive from the game, Ben, has to be the return and the impact Andre Gomez made on the game. How good was it to see him running around the pitch and Everton shirt again? It was excellent. It was excellent just to see him come on. I mean, he got half an hour in him. I didn't think he'd get that much when I saw him not in the starting eleven. It was very heartening, I think, the reception he got from the Arsenal fans as well. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the Tottenham player injuring him. <laughs> but um, no, it was just a really nice moment for football. Generally, over the weekend, I think everyone was wishing him the best, even the likes of Graham Souness, and that would have probably been glad to see him come back on the pitch. And he did it. He, he took everything in his stride. And he made an impact in the game for me. You know, we were expecting a player who'd been out that long to maybe come on, make a cameo, keep things tidy and neat and try and stay out of any challenges. But he was getting on the ball, holding the ball up like he doesn't drive him forward, like the old Andre Gomez. It's literally like nothing's happened. And he's just been on holiday for a couple of months. He looks in as good a shape as he did before he was injured. And... He just gives us an extra dynamic in midfield. And to be honest, I don't know whether you're going to come to it later if we talk about the rest of the midfield that was in the team yesterday. Andre Gomez, in that 25, 30-minute cameo, whatever he had, I think he's just completely shown us how poor the rest of that midfield's been since he's been injured. Because maybe they haven't looked that bad and we've given them the benefit of the doubt because we've been comparing them with each other. But when you compare them to an actual an actually good midfielder, quality midfielder like Andre Gomez. I think then you start to realise how poor the likes of Guilty Sigurds and Schneider and Fabian Delph actually are. And the fact is we need to try and look towards the summer and get somebody in who's as good as Andre Gomez who can play with him because the team for me, especially the midfield, it's going to be built round him and it's just great to have him back. Quite clearly, we looked more of an attacking threat when he came on the pitch for that last half hour. I mean, Arsenal just looked, I wouldn't say scared, but he definitely, we were the dom- dominant team when he came on, basically. Yeah, definitely. He's the, he's the benchmark and he he stood out like a sore for me. For, I mean, he played half an hour, but he's probably man of the match. He was everywhere and, he, you know, I think we were a lot more direct when he came on as well and, and that's what we needed to be because... Um, we haven't got the midfielders to, to be, you know, pinging it around. And I think quite a few times he, he just got it and just played balls over the top, didn't he? And, and that, you know, that causes Mustafi and Louise problems. And He just finds space yeah, so easy, he just, doesn't he? 
he, he, he's just completely different to, to any other midfielder we've got, and he's just a quality player. He, you know, you can just, like I said, he just stands out above everyone else. Um, he can see passes that other players we've got can't. He can make passes that other players we've got can't. And we we were much more direct with him. And, and every time he gets the ball, he's looking for a forward pass. And I think that's why we were more, you know, attacking when he came on. And it's just a shame he didn't start, to be honest, because I thought when him and Bernard came on, we looked a, a much better team. Um, I think playing the team that we did, I mean, for me, I, I don't know if he's agreeing with me, but Alex Iwobi offers us nothing. I think, I know people come on here and, and slag Theo Walcott off, but he's he's a downgrade on Theo Walcott for me. And I think mi- missing Walcott and Bernard sort of hindered the way the way we were playing. I know Bernard has that free role where he comes in from the left and gets Sigurdsson can kind of do the same thing, but he's got no pace. He can't close down the way Bernard can. He can't put the defenders under pressure the way Bernard can. Um and that sort of hindered us. And then once Bernard and Gomez came on, we were much more aggressive and, and direct, and that suits us. I think you've said it before in the past, we're better when we're, when we counter-attack and when we get the ball forward quicker, and Gomez can do that for us because he can play them passes that Delph and Schneiderlin can't. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Wobie, and he is a, um, a point on the agenda today, so we will talk about him, but let's just stay on Gomez for the time being. If we carry on playing four four two, and you would suggest Gomez is in that team, who partners Gomez in the midfield for the you know next couple of games? Okay, for the next couple of games, I was going to say long term, it's going to be JP Gabarman, isn't yeah, it? But I, I think, mean, yeah. in terms of players who are fit now. Uh, to be honest, I don't think there's a lot between any of them. I think the rest of the other options are very, very poor. I think I'll Sig- tell you mine, just to interrupt you, I go Delph, just because. Yeah, he's a bit yeah. more solid. I would yeah, he's a bit more like gritty and yeah, yeah. Dirty I suppose. That, yeah, and I remember the two of them, Delph and Gomez, actually had a really good game in the season at home to Wolves. That's the only time I can think. Of. I mean, Tom Davis seemed to play well with Andre Gomez before Gomez yeah, got yeah. injured. To remember, but he's gone completely off the boil. But really, picking between Delph, Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin, it's like it's sometimes it can be like playing with ten men, especially when we're defending because, like um, Gary Neville. He was having to go to Sigurdsson, wasn't he? Saying he was walking into into our attacks, and that's, that's his run, though, isn't it? To be fair, but sorry, <laughs> a walk's his run. To be, I fair. know, but to be fair, when you watch it back, he was. It did look like I don't know whether it was a lack of effort because I don't know the lad's character off the pitch, but you know, has he not got the engine to play in this high intense sort of team that Ancelotti's trying to build? It's it is a difficult one. I probably would say Delph, even though I'm not as big as fan. Just because at least out of the three of them is natural central midfielder, whereas I think Schneiderland's more defensive and Sigurdsson's more attacking. The only reason I suggest Delph is because he's probably more of the, the whole. Yeah, I, I don't think Sigurdsson can play in a four four two. I know he has in the last few games, but for me, it, he's a number ten and he doesn't suit a four four two. I mean, Sigurdsson that you mentioned him, he was, we've got a paste on social media from all Everton fans. Is that criticism from that game warranted? Do you think? Was he, he? He was poor. Yeah, he was poor. I mean, was he poor in the fact that he just didn't offer anything going forward? He was, or he I, just, I don't he think just he, hit. He offered anything. I mean, my dad said to me, he didn't look interested. Not Ben just said the same thing. He did. He didn't look interested. Like he was getting frustrated, and and you know, like he didn't even do what he's good at. He didn't even keep the ball well for us. Or he was telling other players to pass the ball around him, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like pointing to other players, saying. Pass it to him, pass to him, not to me. He just didn't look interested in the game. Like I know he was playing our position on on the left, but I don't know. He, he it was just like he, he's just. I I don't think he's got a future with us. 
I, I've stuck up for him because I like him, um, but he doesn't work in a four four two. He got no pace, so he can't play on the wing. He, he just doesn't shoot. I mean, obviously, if, we, if we're not going to play four four two going forward, he might. But even when we played him as a number ten, he didn't exactly set the world. I like did he? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think when we signed him, everyone was saying about all these assists and that he makes, but they were all from corners and free kicks. I, I, I don't see what he offers us to be honest. Do you agree? At the moment, no. Uh, sorry, at the moment, yes, I do agree with Gary. I don't think he's got a future at the club. I think when we signed him, we were a much different type of team. I think we played four five one, four two three one for a number of years, and we seemingly always operated with a number ten at one point three of them. But you know, we've always played with a number ten and one central striker. And Slotty sort of inverted the pyramid in that sense, and he's put two up front and gone back to a classic four four two. And that, yeah, it doesn't suit Sigerson. But you know, all I'd say is I don't think it actually suits Gomez that much. But great players will will still thrive in a different system. Whereas Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, he's got all the attributes of a central midfielder. Though he can pick a pass, or all right, on paper he can pick a pass. He can shoot from distance. When we signed him, he was, you know, supposed to have a good engine because he covered so much ground, like uh, compared to all the other midfielders when we signed him. But I just think he's completely regressed and he's only 30. But to me, he looks like a player who's over the hill. He looks like, it's, it's like having someone like Paul Gascoigne when we signed him. There's a bit of class in there now and again that comes out. But he just doesn't look like he's got the desire or the engine to compete in Nancy side. And he's always going to want hard work as a minimum from every player. And I just I think if we can get any kind of realistic bid from, bid from him in the summer, I think he'll be gone, to be honest. I think, I think his day is numbered. He could play in in a four four two. I I wouldn't, but he can do the basic things. He can do the simple things. But so can Schneider and so can Delph. Well, that's the thing. No, the the fact that Gomez, I don't really want to call it a cameo because I agree with you, Gary. I think it, it was man of the match when he when he came on. Completely changed the dynamic of the game for us moving forward. It shows how much we've missed him yeah. because when we've played the likes of Delph Schneiderlin in that partnership or, you know, Sigurdsson and Snadlin or vice versa in the partnership. They've been solid, they've been compact, you know, short passes and pa- and get it forward quick to the likes of Richarlison and Dominic Avalu and for them to, you know, to do the work. But, I mean, Gomez, he, I, I don't want to, like, come up with, like, American terms, but he's almost like a, a quarterback, isn't he? He's just pinging balls around, you know, from afar, he, even short. He just, like you said, he just finds so much space and it's quite clear we've... Like, That's the thing, no. Like, like Ben said, it, he he doesn't really fit a four four two Gomez. He's more of a like a deep lying playmaker, if you like, isn't yeah. he? But he's got a bit of an well, he's got an engine and he's got a bit of pace as well. So he can play in a four four two because he can yeah. get about the pitch. Sigurdsson can't. He can't get about the pitch as much as he can try. He's got no pace, and and that's his biggest problem. And it showed, I think, in the in the derby. When those young lads just ran rings around them, do you know what I mean? And and it's the same with Snyder, he's got no pace. And in in a four four two, you need to be a complete midfielder. You can't be like an attacking or a defensive midfielder. You need to do a bit of everything. Do you know what I mean? Because you are basically you're it. You're the midfield. There's no like, well, I've got you know Lee Carsley sitting behind me. You can pick pick it all up like we used to have. You're it. You do you know what I mean? Yeah. Moving on to Alex Awobi then. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. Uh, in my notes here, I've just got <coughs> Alex Awobi must do better. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to discuss and talk about it. But w- when I say that, 
all the 11 on the pitch must do better. We, we know that. But what, what I mean by it is that he's one of the players who came in in the summer. So really, this isn't someone who's dead wood. Like, like we're talking about six and snarling. Yeah, he's supposed to be one for one for the future and one for one for now and one one for the future. And we spent a lot of money on this guy. Well, we'll start off with Ben because we know Gary's thoughts on when we won. But Ben, Awobi, he must do better, mustn't he? Absolutely. I think Alex Awobi again. I think he's another player this season who's regressed a little bit. I think he got off to a flyer. He has been injured as well, yeah. hasn't he? But even before the the injury, the home game against Arsenal got injured. Didn't he? even before that. I, I struggle to know where where he fits on a football pitch. He started off like a house on fire because he scored a couple of headers, didn't he? And he looked like he was going to be sort of like a, a presence in the box and a bit of a, t- a wide target man, if you will. But go on, you, no, you, no, you no, no, all I was going to say, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I f- feel like he did have a, a fairly decent start. He did have a decent start, yeah. But I felt he played his best games when he was playing as the number 10 behind the strikers. I completely agree. I think... Like, we're not playing that at the moment, are we? We're not, but like Gary said, if we ever go back to playing with a number 10, Gilfie Sigurdsson's not even our first choice number 10, because Alex Owobi is. I like him as a number 10. I think that's his position. But we don't play best in that kind of system. So we can't sacrifice the be- for the, the benefit team for the benefits of Alex Owobi. So he's got to reinvent himself. I'm surprised with all the injuries we have in midfield, we haven't tried him as a central midfielder. Because like you said then, Gary, he... Compared to the rest of them, he is mobile. He is quick. He's a big lad. Okay, I don't know how good he is at tackling that kind of stuff. But with Andre Gomez next to him, why can't we try something where we play him as that box-to-box midfielder? Because he's a presence in both boxes. He's a big lad. Like I say, he can link the play up. He's difficult to get the ball off. So that's the thing. He's got to, for me, reinvent himself and find a position in this football team in the way we play under Ancelotti. Otherwise, he's going to get completely left behind because he's not a winger for me. Certainly not a winger. He's not got... He's got the pace and the trickery, but I don't think he's got the nous to beat a man and get a decent cross into the box. For me, he's all about the raw physical attributes. He's all about being a strong individual on the ball who can get in the faces of the opposition, hold the ball up if need be, and play through the, and play through the middle of the pitch. And that's where we need to find a home for him, where they're going to do it, I'm not sure, but why not try him in the centre of midfield alongside Andre Gomez and just, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'll tell you one thing, Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin definitely doesn't work, so it might be worth trying something different. I mean, Gary, I'm going to sound like a proper hypocrite here, but I'm always willing to give players a chance, no matter who it is, but when we signed Alex Wobie, I just thought, what are we doing? Spending that amount of money on, who's not a bad footballer, I just don't think, you know, Look where Arsenal have been over the past couple of years. Okay, they've been very close to qualifying for the Champions League. They've got to Europa League finals. But for me, I just didn't think he was the right fit. He's the right player. He's here now. Um, he's had ups and downs. But, you know, can you see him? Can you see if an Everton team where he is pivotal? Well, to be honest, I think we only signed him because we couldn't get to Har really, didn't we? I think it was like, well, we can't get him. So, you know, we'll try and get... It will be him and Arsenal were like, yeah, yeah, you can have him. <laughs> um, what, 30 odd million? Yeah, yeah like, is that 3.4 or 30? <laughs> what it felt like, didn't um, it? Because he accepted it pretty quickly. Yeah, um, f- for me, I think if he was going to have a long-term position, I think it's going to be playing on the left, but Bernard plays there. Playing on the left and cutting in the way Bernard does because he's right-footed, isn't he? Um, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen that much of him, I'll be honest, um, but I don't think he's, like Ben said, I don't think he's quick enough 
I might be wrong to be an out and out winger to, to, to you know to hold the touchline. I think line. he's quick. He's just not like, very nimble, is he? Because he's quite a big lad. He's not. He's, um, he's quite big for a winger. I think Walcott suits the position where he's playing now, getting in behind all the time and and you know um, using his pace. For me, it will be his long term futures on the left, which is one of the reasons why I thought, why are we signing him? Um, Bernard's going to play there. That's the um, that's the the main problem though, isn't it? Because okay, if you've got two players for every position then, you know, that's probably what most Premier League teams would aspire to have. Say we have got that for the left-hand side, we've got Bernard, we've got Awobi. Two very, very different players. When one is out and one comes in, effectively you'd have to play slightly different to what you would have played with Bernard. That's not ideal, is it? I know you want flexibility and you want a, you want a bit of different, you know, style and attributes to a player, but you completely have to change from how you would play with Bernard to Awobi. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I, I won't be, he hasn't played that many games, has he? But I, I couldn't even say, like you said, he's not even similar to Bernard. So, like, if he does play where Bernard plays, can, can he play that that free role? Do you know what I mean? I know, I know Ben was saying about playing as a number 10 and he, he did well there, but playing playing on the left and coming in behind the striker is not the same as playing a number 10, is it? I, do, I just don't know. Like I said before, I don't really know what he offers us. I, like he, it's not like he works really hard and, and he closes down. It's not or like scores he, goals. He scores like lots of goals. And, I mean, I don't. I just don't know. I, I don't know why we signed him in the first place. If I'm being honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. That's the main <laughs> thing to say. A lot of um, questions. Yeah, I know. Well, let's move on to Jordan Pickford. I don't want to spend too much time on him, but could he have done anything better for any of the goals? I didn't hold him responsible. Yeah. I know some people did, but I think it's rubbish. I think at the end of the day. He, you're going to let a player have a free header from half many yards, seven, six, seven yards out. The goal, uh, I think, are you referring to when Aubameyang's header? Just for me. Because you know yeah, what? For all of them, The really. ball is headed powerfully by Aubameyang into the ground and into the corner of the goal. No goalkeeper in the world saves that shot. It's just because it's Jordan Pickford and he, maybe he's, di- he's dived a little bit, like, theatrically towards the ball. It's... Sorry, but okay, you could probably nitpick and find little bits, but we should be more concerned about giving a rollick into the defence, really. Because, you know, Yeri Mina and Mason Holgate against Aubameyang and Eddie Nketiah, I think that's how you say his name, that shouldn't be a match in the air, should it? You know, you think of Arsenal, think of the silky players they've got. Do you think for one minute they should be scored from, they'd score from two crosses? You shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be scoring from crosses against us when we've got big lads like that in the middle. So I think the question's got to be with them first because you can have any goalkeeper in the world. If you're going to let headers fly a goal from six, seven yards out, especially with the momentum of the ball behind them, it's going to be difficult for any goalkeeper. So I'm, I'm not happy blaming him for much of that game, really, to be fair. I think it was the three goals were all quite difficult to save for him and the defence needs to ask more, answer more questions than he does for me. Yeah. I mean, Gary, I, I agree, completely agree with what Ben said there, but I've questioned Jordan Pickford's decision-making in the past, and there was one incident during the game which didn't um, end up being a goal for Arsenal, but where he just passed it out to, I can't yeah, even remember, Snardin or someone, Sigurdsson. He's more at playing for that than he is yeah, for any of the goals. Yeah, and the Arsenal players, Snardin, end up winning the ball. Um, just wanted to touch on it, really. I'm not, I'm not slagging him off, I just think... His decision making is still in question for me. I just think it was a bad decision yeah, to do that. I think you know the the last few games we've had com- conversations on here about him making silly mistakes, and that was another silly mistake. I mean, this which time, he got away with. Yeah, it didn't result in a goal, but it still goes down as another mistake, and he's got to cut it out. Um, I know I, I read somewhere about 
there's someone on match of the day said we were great playing out from the back. I don't think we were. No. I think been. we were our best play was when we gave it to Gomez and went long or when Pickford went long. Yeah. I think Mina looks awful on the ball, to be honest with you. And I don't think Holgate was, was great with with coming out from the back either, to be fair. Um I don't think we should should try and play out from the back that often, to be honest, because it, it we're losing the ball too often and, and Pickford's made another mistake trying to do it again. And and you know it could, it could, it didn't, but it could have cost us another goal. The problem with playing off from the back for me is the fact that we haven't got the midfield to take the ball off the defenders. Yeah, well, Gomez was sitting in between the two centre halves when he came, wasn't he? Yeah. And taking the ball straight from Pickford yeah. instead of it having to go to the centre halves because we we just it just doesn't work basically. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, Sadibi's having a bit of a tired time at the minute, isn't he, Ben? And is he being is this harsh? But is he being found found out a little bit? Or is he just having a? I mean. Just some good goals from Arsenal, weren't he? That he was unfortunately a fault for. I think the jury's definitely still out on Zibla Sadibi. Um, I've got a piece coming out later on today that I've written, and in it I've included quite a scathing kind of report and a bit of realisation about the decision on Zibla Sadibi is certainly not clear-cut. At this point, I'd say I'm edging towards letting him go and not taking up the option to sign with John Joe Kenny's going to come back because I think he's done okay in bits. He's probably... Got a lot more going forward now than Coleman has, but Coleman's still probably a bit more of a steady defender for me. Yeah. He's a bit erratic. You thought you would you would you agree with me in saying that his best performances have been when he's been on the right hand side of midfield rather than the defence where he doesn't have to worry about defending as much? I don't know whether his best performances have been on the right wing, but I certainly think that's a good string that he's added to his bow. You know, I think imagine if in a hypothetical world, if we were playing European football next season at Europa League, he'd be a good option to have in the squad because he can cover on the right wing if we're under the, under the cosh a little bit. So it's like having two defensive players on the right side of the pitch. But I think the overwhelming feel for me is, OK, 12 million is a snip for any kind of international football these days with the inflated fees and what have you. But I'd like us to see, to see us either bring Kenny back and really invest some time in letting him have a good run in the team, or if they've already decided that Kenny's going to be staying in Germany, whatever, I'd like us to scout a proper right-back, a bit like we did with Luca Dean. You know, Leighton Baines was coming to the end, so we went out there and we bought the best left-back we could to make an instant impact. We need to do that with the right-hand side now. And do I think there's better players out there available to us to DB? I do. Okay, I mean, you say Leighton Baines has come to the end, but he still had a decent. He's great, Leighton, but he's evergreen, isn't he? But I'd give him another year already. I really would. I would. I would. Um, results didn't go our way over the weekend. In fact, I think every team who <laughs> we Pardon needed Sheffield to, United did they they drew it on they to do well. Every other team that we needed to lose picked up points. So we're eleventh now. We've gone from Burnley have gone above us. It's crazy, isn't it? We've gone from wanting to, you know, Champions League aspirations to 11th which you know but points wise it's very congested isn't it um, is the race still on Gary for you for Champions League no I don't no. think so I, I never I thought we'd get in the Champions League anyway to not be even for fifth um, no I think the, the next few games obviously if we'd have beat Arsenal I might be talking about it differently but I don't think we're going to pick up enough points and you already had Head start on us anyway, didn't they? I think the the best we can hope for is still Europa League. I don't think that that's to say let's write off the season and it doesn't count for anything. But I think Champions League now it's it's unrealistic to be going up against the teams that we've got in the next three or four games. We're not going to pick enough points up. I yeah. mean, we, we might even you know put a good performance like we did against Arsenal, but I just can't see us getting enough points out of the next few games. I mean, I st- I do agree with you, and I don't want to get me hopes up, but you know. 
we're still in with a chance for me, just purely for the fact that the teams that we're playing. So if we beat United, they lose three points. The big ifs. No, think. obviously I know, but what I'm saying is say we did beat United, that we're on 39 and they're on 41. And that just opens the door slightly. I think we've got too many away games, though. You know, it's all those teams we've got to play, like the Wolves and Tottenham. Yeah. They're all away from home. Chelsea, that, that's what worries me. If they were at home, bring it on like we did last season, had a good run of games at home. But away from home, like we've proved against Arsenal, we can play as well as we want, but we always seem to come home empty-handed. Well, doesn't get any easier, does it? So United are next up. Sunday, isn't it? Um, how do you see that going? Um, I think we could win that one. Because we're at home, I think the emphasis on that. If we were away from home, I'd be saying similar to what's ever the Arsenal game, it'd be difficult. We'd probably play okay, but come away on the wrong end of a result. But at home, you've got to be pretty confident, I think, of getting something out the game. Go Again, straight in. Absolutely, of course he goes. If he was fit enough to be on the bench of the Arsenal game, he goes straight in. You know, we've got eight days. Uh, sorry, we've got a whole week from when we played Arsenal to play Man United. We've not got European football, unfortunately. So he goes, of course, he goes straight into the team. He goes straight into the team for me alongside Alex Awobi in central midfield. Yeah, Guy, I think you... it's going to be pretty similar to the Arsenal game. I think the difference is going to be, or whether we get it in our it's going to depend on how well we defend. I think. I think we'll create chances against them. I think we'll score, but it's whether we can keep Martial and Greenwood and you know them type of players. They are very inconsistent. A- 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 United, you know, they um, very rarely no, no, win three, four games in a row. I think we've 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 got a good chance of beating them. Um, I'm not going into the game thinking it's a foregone conclusion. I've, you know, we've we, I, I'm confident we can get something out of it, but it all depends on how well we defend. I think I think w- w- we've scored in every game Ancelotti's been in charge of, um, and to go to the Emirates and score two, all right, they weren't great goals, but it's it's not an easy thing to do. And I think we can score goals. We've just got to. Make sure they don't. <laughs> first goal's massive in that game on on Sunday, I think. First goal's massive. If we score first, United have got form to crumble. If they score first, crowd could get on Everton's back. I mean, they tend to sit back and play on the counter-attack anyway, so... Don't think we'll let them. I, I think that's, that's what we, we've got to do. We've got to sort of... I know this is going to sound stupid, but give them the ball and yeah. let them come at us and then hit them on the break because we're probably not going to break them down. Like, you know, wave after wave of attack. That's not... It's not, it's not really the way we play. and Could we play like that, though, with Gomez? Like, someone who's a bit more assured and, you know, technical on the We've ball. got more chance of playing like that. Um, but it suits Gomez. I don't think it suits the rest of the team, does it? I don't think that slow build-up suits Calvert Loon and Richarlison. They're better when they're, you know, over the top or, or holding the ball up when it's, it's closer to their area rather than the slow build-up. And Gomez can do either. So why not Why not get, do what we did in the second half against Arsenal? Because I thought that was, like quite promising to be honest and we created a lot more chances all right they weren't like you know beautiful football but it was it was a ball over the top and someone was running onto it but it works and that's what our players are good at I think that's going to be our best chances letting them try and break us down and hitting them on the break rather than the other way around because if we do that we'll get we'll get beat basically because they've got bags of pace up front and our defence isn't exactly solid at the minute well, it's obviously a couple of days until the United game, so there could be injuries, anything could happen, but we will just get a quick prediction off you because this will be the one and only view from the Gladys Street podcast this week. So, Ben, give us your probably negative prediction. Well, there's no point now. My theory's gone out the window, hasn't it? Of me Because <laughs> I think I had a run of three games where I predicted the defeat and we won. It's gone out the window now for the Arsenal game. You know what? I'm going to say it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be as open, free-flowing as people might think. I think we're going to nick it 1-0. Okay. I think we'll draw 1-1. One, one. It will be to score a belter from centre midfield. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a one-all draw. <laughs> I think we'll score, but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. 
Yeah, I'll go with 2 1 to us. Let's try and be positive. It's the hope that kills you at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> I said it's that was, they were my exact words on the show last week. It's the mm. hope that kills you. All right, well, that is it for your view from the Gladys Street fan podcast this week. Ben, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Gary, me. Gary, thank you for coming on. No worries, man. Although it hasn't been, you know, a chat on the best circumstances after the game, it, it's, it's always good to uh, talk it over and you do feel better. Weekly afterwards. therapy session, isn't it? Definitely. Nice? I look forward to them now. Certainly is. All right, lads, thank you very much um, for coming on. And everyone out there listening, you've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Channel. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.